Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 2nd, 2013. I always start off the broadcast by advising newcomers to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and make good use of the website because there's lots of audios for a free download there where I take you through the start really of the the system that you're you're born into. The, the start that happened a long time ago when big foundations created themselves as fronts basically for the parallel governments and they had millions back then in early about hundred odd years ago to play with and form NGOs and pressure groups to lobby government. And now of course they've got trillions to play with and they are the parallel government. They are set up by the, the big international banking families, ones that literally lend to nations and they thought that they could bring in their the world as it really should be run by them, of course naturally, since they believed of the most advanced people on the planet since they had all the cash, all the loot, and they held on to it for generations. That's one qualification you've got to have, is that your offspring uh, with selective uh, marriage and so on uh, will hang on to, to, the, to the fortunes and increase them and hang on to the power. And uh, that's one of the criteria to get into the big club at the top, of course. So they decided to take over the world and get academia on board, hire lots of think tanks, create them, in fact, and the think tanks themselves work on altering society, altering the cultures, and bringing in their world society to serve them better in the future, and on a scientific basis, they claim. And of course, what we're seeing today in the 21st century is the, the clash of so many things, even civilizations, you might say, and cultures, as we go into the massive multicultural mode for a global society. And there's lots of fallout, naturally, which was expected, and they wrote about this well over 100 years ago, when they planned it all, and uh, if they put up with it, apparently, because there's no stopping it at all. And also, uh, the big banking families would, would set up their private banks at the top, the World Bank, the IMF, and so on, and all the private central banks all work together as one club. And uh, they, they are the big club, actually. The club can club you on the head or smash you into pieces if they want to, or they can raise you up. And, of course, that's where the power lies today, is in the hands of the big international bankers. So help yourself to the website. As I say, remember, too, you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, don't forget, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders to, to order or you can use PayPal or send cash even. Cross the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. Now, some folk think that uh, it's a dry topic. You know, the reality is a dry topic. It's really pretty dry because it's not so exciting. You're living through depressing times, and it's interesting, too, how they always 
couple the word depression with the economic downturns, as they call them now. But it's the same thing, recession, depression, because people are out of work across the planet. There's big shake-ups, of course, as we go totally, totally global, and investors from all countries can invest into any other country in the world. And even your domestic food market has its produce up on the, the big world casino to the highest bidder. So there's no such thing as nationalism anymore or taking care of your own first. That's out the window, too. And it's all part of it as well. And folk haven't got used to the idea yet, but they're going to because, as I say, this is called the century of change. The 21st century is to be the century of change. That's why Obama talked about change is good. And all the communists and the top fascists are all in this together because it's one system that played the dialectic to bring it all about to make it happen. And we're living through it as we go along. Now, again, the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, the BIS and so on, we're all talked about by the Council on Foreign Relations' own private historian, because they're the big club that formed all of this system. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And as I said, it's depressing topics really, isn't it? Because that's all you get now really is either utter trivia, utter trivia, or bad news. And of course it's all intentional too, because I see the big organization, the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, has set up this world organization that drafted up the European Union, for instance. They drafted up and admitted it in Canadian television, the whole integration for the Americas, for NAFTA and so on. And they've also got the same thing with the Pacific Rim region as well. They've done this for an awful, awful long time, about 100 years, as I say, to work out this new system to run the world properly on behalf of the masters of, of banking at the very, very top. And it's a very old plan. And remember, too, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, brought in all kinds of people into their organization, still do. They have utter communists, outright communists on one end, and they have outright fascists and even dictators on the other. Now they're going through the stage, of course, is trying to eliminate some of the dictators and standardize their countries under what they call democracy, which is the same system we're all under, which isn't democratic at all, of course. And a democracy, as they define it, is one with a central bank, private central bank, which borrows from the World Bank and is run by the IMF, etc., and, of course, it must be all on board with the whole world global agenda, where all, any big business, any big corporation can, can invest in, in some sector of your economy in your country. And eventually, eventually, it's in their own, own writing, too, they'll be able to bring in their own workers. They're doing that in some countries already and undercut your, your own, um, even your, your basic um, uh, minimum wage. I noticed even in the British papers, to, they're, they're following the idea today uh, that in parliaments that uh, they might have to eliminate the minimum wage altogether. So it's all working as planned. And that's what you've got to understand. The things that upset you uh, is well understood by the, the journalists that write the stories to upset you because they know the big plan too. You can't work at these kind of jobs for a while without all the rumors coming down from the top and you know what you can write about and what you can't write about, but never tell the public that you're simply living through an agenda. You can never tell them that. And so they give you things which make you emotionally upset, so you get emotive responses, but you don't get any resolution to it. In other words, you're left out of the picture. What does your, what does your voice count? 
and then eventually you come down and realize it counts for nothing. So you're being trained true that this, this new kind of democracy isn't democratic at all. It's called the new democracy. It's called the new freedom, as George Bush Jr. called it too. And this new freedom is to obey the government, which is, which is all wise and all powerful. That's really what it is. And it's run on principles of economics. And human life is all down to economics now too. The cost of human life, keeping you alive if you're sick and so on. That's all a big, big part of it. And hence the overhaul of healthcare across the world. Eventually, as Marx said, there'd be one system where a factory in one part of the world could mix the shoes for all the rest of them. One factory could turn out the furniture for all the rest of them. Well, think about this way too. One insurance company will run the health care for the whole planet eventually. And it will go that way. That's where it's supposed to go. It's designed that way. So right now we're going through the bank crashes as they plunder the public for redistribution of the wealth. Because you can't bring in austerity unless you create the crisis. And the first, remember they wrote about bringing austerity before the 2008 bank crisis. And so that was all manufactured too. They knew five years in advance, the big bankers to them, that they would create a, a, a collapse around 2008. They knew that. They discussed it. They all got together and discussed it many times. So everybody knew except the general public. And that's pretty typical. So now it's the next step too is to, is to bring you down to austerity by plundering your bank accounts and all the rest of it to flatten the board and get rid of all the middle classes, what's left in middle classes and uh, and bring us all down to the very, very rich and the technocratic class and the, the very poor and the bulk will be in the very poor category naturally. Now in Cyprus again, we're getting trained again, Cyprus will happen elsewhere the technique of uh, simply closing the doors to the banks, and and so on and so on. Now, it's true that Cyprus, Malta, and a few other countries were havens for offshore tax uh, havens for, for big uh, companies, and often illegal companies too. But what, what we also know too is that the biggest companies of all, even from Russia, the Russian mobsters, uh, got all their money out before it happened and so did many others because they have their guys inside the banks, you understand and it's, it's, it's their own internal law you must notify the big boys first to get out, that happens in every country so they did and of course Cyprus, the Cypriots themselves are left with a massive bill for all plus they lose their savings and everything else now theft is theft, folks uh, and forget this haircut thing it's more like scalping and um, theft, it will always be theft and when it becomes a normal thing, as, as they're trying to make this out to be, you see, normalize it, then you'll see it happen in all the countries. Canada, as I said yesterday, in yesterday's show, I said that uh, I gave you articles and, and links to do with uh, newspapers that had gone through the Canadian budget and they're already set up. They're setting up a system in case the big banks fail in Canada. The same thing again, you see. So we're getting trained naturally trained. Now the big boys of course are unaffected because they'll simply move their big, their money in advance to, to other offshore uh, havens where, like the Queen where she's places all over the planet for instance. They'll never ever you know, grab that lot, believe you me. More than heads would roll. But this article here says in the suffering yet docile Cypriot serfs uh, thought that the deposit confiscation would be the end of their problems under the European feudal system. And it is it's a new feudal system. They're about to be shocked. Is it because as part of their banking sector, bailout the country is set to get a loan from the Troika, a loan which comes with a memorandum of understanding. 
Now, that's what the IMF's calling it now, because as soon as they crash your, your economy and, and so on, they bring in the IMF. That's a big muscle man who takes over your governance or your country until the debt's paid off. And it says, which is, so the, the memorandum of understanding that comes from, from them is a blueprint for austerity, which dictates terms for government revenue increases and spending cuts of the variety that nearly caused America's leader to blow a gasket when he was describing the untold devastation that would result if the rate of acceleration in U.S. budget spending dared to be slowed down even by a tiny bit. Today, a draft of the revised Cypriot MOU being prepared by the head of the IMF mission to the island nation uh, it was leaked, and I'll give the link up tonight to get the whole 24-page austerity report from the IMF for, for, for Cyprus. I'll put it up tonight at cuttingthroughmates.com after this broadcast. But as I say, however, for the benefit of the Cypriot leaders, here's an important part. The listing of the anticipated austerity tsunami coming, not to mention healthcare system, pension reform, changes and other proposals the ECB and the IMF are imposing on Cyprus as part of their generosity to keep the recently insolvent country as a well-behaving serf in the Eurozone. And that's what they actually do, is they reduce you to serfhood. And it says um, they're going to freeze public sector pensions, because it did that in Greece before, of course, and Italy and, and Spain and so on. Increase the statutory retirement age by two years for the various categories of employees. Reduce preferential treatment of specific groups of employees, like members of the armed army and police force and occupational pension plans, in particular concerning the contribution to the lump sum benefits, reduce certain benefits and privileges for state officials and senior government officials in particular by suspending the right to travel first business class by state officials, senior government officials and employees with exemption of transatlantic travel, increase excise duties on energy, that is on oil products, by increasing tax rates on motor fuels, gasoline and so on. Increase the standard value-added tax rate from 17% to 18%. Introduce a tax of 20% on gains distributed to winners of betting by the National Lottery for winnings of €5,000 or more. Increase fees for public services by at least 17% of the current values. Increase excise duties on tobacco products, in particular on fine-cut smoking tobacco from from uh, EUR 60 kilograms to EUR 150 kilograms. Increase excise duties on cigarettes by, and it gives you the, the, the price and so on. Introduce a contribution of 6.8% on pensionable earnings by officials who are entitled to a pension and gratuity but are not covered by the government's pension scheme or any similar plan. Uh, actuarially uh, reducing pensions and title limits from the general social insurance scheme by 0.5% per month for retirements and so on. Ensure a reduction of seasonal hourly paid employees by 992 from 1,806 in 2012 to 814. Implement a four-year plan as prepared by the Public Administration and Personal Department aimed at the abolition of at least 1,880 permanent posts over the period of 2013 to 2016. And it says application of the CPI index for the period 1980 to 2012. Increase the statutory corporate income tax rate to 12.5%. Increase the tax rate on interest and dividend income to 30%. And it goes on and on and on. And, of course, it hits the pensioners and everything else there, too. So massive taxations going in for the ordinary folk (laughs) who were not behind the problems of this bank, 
because it was all to do with outside investments coming into the country for tax-free havens and all the rest of it from big mobsters and very rich people who didn't lose a thing. They got it all out, of course. In fact, that started to run. That caused the problem in the first place. They all got wind of what was going to happen. So that will happen across the world, and, um, and no country is safe now because this is a plan to bring the whole world under the same system. As I say, the World Bank at the top, the Bank for International Settlements, which runs all the private central banks that all countries have to go into under this world society we're in now, and they end up running the system. Everything runs from, from cash and money and so on. Everything in the system does. So that's the future, and uh, the Cypriots are getting hammered, and it will get used elsewhere. And, and more, more so, actually, because what you're reading is a legality. You're, you're reading, reading something, and if you don't respond to it and demand that your governments prevent this sort of thing from happening, then you, you've acquiesced by your silence for it happening to you. That's how law works. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system, and what a system it is, isn't it? Because, you know, if you were going by philosophy, nothing would make sense to you at all. And philosophy, if you take one instance or one area particular or a happening or occurrence, that particular philosophy should work in the same sequence in any other similar uh, events. But of course it doesn't today, because you, you find the special folk, you offer special things. And, and folk who do lesser things don't get off with anything at all. They're hammered severely. And it's, it's like Bonaparte talked of England. England was already run by the big money boys by the 1700s and really changed. That's when the empire really took off and the money boys moved in. And, and they were behind it, actually. But uh, we find that Napoleon said of England, he says, he called it perfidious England, meaning you can never trust them, the British government, because... They made alliances with different people, which, and then they'd turn their backs on them if it suited them, when it, whenever it suited them, at the last moment it need be. Things like that. Or they'd use countries and alliances, and once the countries had worked, aided them in a war against somebody else, the Balance of Power Act, they called it, they then hit the country that helped them, so they couldn't rise up either. But um, it also happens all through politics today, too. It's an old, old system. And it says, this is from Brussels, it says, 17 men and women directly accused of murder torture, rape, or kidnapping in Zimbabwe have been given the green light to travel to the EU, the European Union. It says the names feature on a list of 81 people and 8 companies taken off the EU's Zimbabwe sanctions list Thursday, 28th of March, as a reward for the country's peaceful and credible constitutional referendum two weeks ago. So up until two weeks ago, they had massive slaughters going on of all their enemies, and, and now they're, they're delisting these folk that were on terrorist lists as being good guys now. They're now good guys, you see. So the move was announced earlier in the week, but uh, entered into force when the decision and the names of those it covers were published in the bloc's official journal. And it's got, I'll put up the whole list tonight. Dozens of other delisted people are said to be guilty of involvement in President Robert Mugabe's campaign of terror against the MDC opposition party during elections in 2008. According to the U.S.-based NGO Human Rights Watch, Mugabe's men murdered up to 200 people, beaten, tortured 500 more, and forced 36,000 others from their homes. 
But the group of 17 is special because EU diplomats on the ground got information about their direct involvement in crimes. So these are definitely known to be involved in crimes, but now they can come into Europe. The roll call includes, and it gives you the whole a list of these 17 people, and, um, and, and some of the murderers and so on, and the names of folk they murdered. But that's okay now. They're pals. They're pals with the EU Parliament. And I'll tell you why at the end. It'll become clear, actually. It also includes the Sabuzio Moyo murder of MDC supporters, and it goes through more of them that, that killed more and tortured more and so on. It says, um, the EU in February already delisted 21 other people, several of whom had similar profiles as a teaser from Mugabe. The president himself, his wife Grace, and eight other henchmen, including his head of intelligence, Hapiton uh, Bon Yongwe, it's called, and three military chiefs are still persona non grata. Mugabe's diamond mining company, the ZMDC, and Zimbabwe Defence Industries also remains banned from doing business with EU companies, which is not really true because you know they smuggle this stuff into the States and New York. They just worked on all the diamonds and stuff. But the EU is to review Thursday's decision every three months from now, with diplomats saying that if general elections go well in July, even the arch-villain Mugabe himself and his diamond firm will get off too, and they can go wherever they want in the world as well. So it just shows you special, it's different folk, strokes for different folks, isn't it? Isn't it? And of course, all the big NGOs will be kind of quiet about that one, because they, they do what they're told, you see. They, they attack you, they're told to attack, and oh well, you know. That's how it goes. Now, folk have been complaining for years and years and years about the taxes you get, you have to pay for, for schools. And, and most countries, it's the same thing. And the reason is because you have international organizations working the school industry. And it's very important, too, for the global society to brainwash children when they're very young. Lenin said it, and Stalin said it, too, that you've got to have an, a, a really international system for teaching the same stuff to the children so they all believe the same stuff and grow up all across the world all believing the same stuff doesn't mean if it's true or not so you said you have to pay your teachers very well because they'll they'll brainwash the next generation and uh, which is true it's, it's already happened to many generations already and then you pay your policemen up well and your military and then you can stay in power that way but it's awfully quite a deal. It says the interior teacher's pension plan has struck an agreement to purchase 70% of three Australian telecommunications companies. And Sydney-based Leighton Holdings Limited will retain the remaining 30% stake in next-gen networks, uh, Metronode and Infoplex, which had a total value of $885 million. Not bad, eh, being a teacher. The transaction must get approved from the Australian Foreign Investment Review Board expected to close mid-2013. That's not bad at all. And, uh, and they're doing awfully well. The ones, see, the ones who help control the system and brainwash are, are very important, as I say, so they get paid awfully well. Paid awfully well. And the, the public never get a say in anything when it comes to taxes, do we? On anything, should we pay this much or that much? What do you think? And, uh, and get a vote on it, for instance. But of course, you'll never get that kind of system coming down your way. Won't happen. Also, the BRICS country, that's of course the combination of countries that have got together with a similar kind of World Bank Institute. It'll eventually merge with the World Bank. It was just to get them in, to form a big group, uh, adjust all their laws, and then they be so adjusted they'll be ready to merge right with the World Bank. And whether they liked it or not, now they're in with the system they didn't want to go into in the first place. That's how you work these things, a dialectic. 
But anyway, the BRICS countries are dumping the euro amidst simmering EU banking crisis. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about the BRICS countries dumping the euro, the coinage, amidst simmering EU banking crisis. And it says Brussels has been forced to eat a generous slice of humble pie. Massive sell-off of the euro is underway in the wake of a persistent financial crisis as holdings in the European currency by emerging economies were slashed by almost 8% last year. Emerging economies including Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, these are the BRICS countries, are dumping the euro having sold 45 billion euros of the currency in 2012 according to data gathered by the International Monetary Fund. The IMF is running everything, all sides and all so-called competing systems. The euro represents just 24% of the reserves, the lowest level since 2002, the year when the euro coins and banknotes first entered circulation and down from a peak of 31% in 2009. At the same time, the euro's share of total global reserves has also fallen. This change of fortune for the euro is blamed on several factors, including sovereign debt crisis and rapid growth by BRICS nations. They don't mention here, too, that under international agreements and the United Nations and so on, and the OECD departments they all have in first world countries, they're also paying for these countries, Brazil, India, China, still, still paying for China and South Africa, uh, money uh, to invest with. We, we give them money every year. And we also give them uh, um, the right to, to put tariffs on anything we export to them, but we can take things from them without any tariffs at all to make it easier for them. And now they're set up to compete with you. It says, last week China and Brazil agreed to a $30 billion swap deal that would give each the ability to borrow the other's currency in the event of future turbulence in the global financial system. Move undercuts the need to use the dollar as a reserve currency, given China's increasing economic might. Beijing appears to be steadily promoting it, the national currency, the renminbi is called, the national currency. The US dollar, which has been designated the world's reserve currency since Bretton Woods' agreement in 1944, continues to hold ground about 60% of emerging markets' reserves. This euro flight is serving news for Brussels and the eurozone. The euro's challenge to the international status of the US dollar has been set back a generation, as new data shows developing countries dumping the European currency from their official reserves. So, again, it's, it's just a, a massive manipulation by the big boys at the top with all their bank. You understand there are about 200 banking families that really control the stock market every day. And they put in billions, billions and billions into the stock market every single day. They can raise companies up and drop them the next day if they want to. It's quite easy for them to do it. And we call this system normal. Isn't that amazing? Now, France, of course, has always been uh, a way ahead of most countries uh, into the, the free love and all the rest of it. But now they're making uh, abortion free there for everyone. Before that, there was only certain people who could get free abortions. The French state now reimburses 100% of the cost of an abortion. I guess they don't want any children either there. And uh, it says, in France, any woman who chooses to have an abortion for free nowadays. And it says that the French state covers 100% of the costs. Previously, only girls under 18 could claim the full cost back from Social Security, while older women would receive between 70 and 80%. 
It says, a new provision introduces one of Socialist President Francois Hollande's campaign promises of in early 2012 and approved in October as part of a drive to bolster women's reproductive rights so they can kill their children. So I'll put that one up tonight too. It's called progress, by the way, is the system. I don't know who defines it, but they always call it progress. And also, too, you'll notice that the drones that we try to change the, because of, because of the bad connotations of drones and drone attacks and overseas and families getting blown up in the Middle East and, and Asia and so on, uh, they're trying to get rid of the nasty old word and they're calling them UAVs now, you see. And uh, so it's, it sounds much better and it justifies the price a bit more than a drone, you know. It says they're not just for hunting terrorists anymore. Once commercial drones are allowed in the sky, the impact on how we grow food could be enormous. Now, this is going to be a big one on food. In fact, tonight I'll put one up on a, a party and uh, a private charitable animals rights group, supposedly, in Australia. It just bought a $14,500 drone to, to spy on farmers to see if, if they're, they're, they're being nasty to their animals. But, of course... When it comes to America and Canada and elsewhere, they're going to see, um, they're going to monitor you like crazy. And eventually, by the way, and I know this is coming, if you've got a big garden, they'll be wanting to see what you're growing and you're selling that stuff too. And they don't want gardens at all. They want everyone to be interdependent. See, if you're, if you're independent, then you're a bad world citizen. So it says three ways it can, it can transform America's food system. It says, um, if the FAA keeps its deadline, September 30th, 2015 will be the day unmanned aerial systems, UAS, which are the drones, are allowed to enter the airspace for commercial use. And on that late autumn day, many of the first businesses to take their robots out of the box and prepare them for liftoff will be farms, but also be the ministries too that will watch over the farms. It's expected that agriculture, not public safety, will be the number one market for domestic drones. And it says across the country, the land-grant universities uh, are researching ways to make use of the new technology from aerial imaging of fields to crop spraying to monitoring airborne plant pathogens. Robotics manufacturers who have typically eyed the Department of Defense for contracts are beginning to look at the fields and lobbyists are hard at work on the hill spreading the word to con- congressmen and FAA officials that drones, a word they hate since it implies there's no one holding the remote control, can do a lot more than just fight shadow wars in the Middle East and East Africa. And they say the economic impact will surpass $13.6 billion. Of that economic boost, uh, much of it will be in agriculture. So now they've got an association for unmanned vehicle systems, international and so on. It's all about big, big money. And believe you me, the sky's the limit on spying on everything. That's really what it's all about. And the biggest purchase, of course, are all going to be government agencies. But now they're trying to sell it as a great thing for disease detection and all the rest of it and all that nonsense. Now, the Air Force also has put out contracts. It wants new energy weapons to cause non-lethal bio-effects, it says here. So the Air Force is preparing to spend millions researching the biological effects of non-lethal directed energy weapons. And it gives you two versions of the active denial system there in the picture. The Air Force is preparing to spend the millions researching how unknown bio-effects happen when the human body is blasted by radio waves and high-powered microwaves, which the Air Force hopes could lead to exotic new energy weapons. How can you put exotic new energy weapons into this? I understand how they, they bring the, the sexual connotations into everything. You know, it's, it's very close to erotic, isn't it? Exotic new energy weapons. We're going to use them in the tropics or something. 
says recently the Air Force Bioeffects Division announced that it's exploring how radiation from non-lethal weapons can cause changes to the body at the molecular level. I mean, cancers and everything. The Air Force is pretty broad about what kind of weapons it wants to test. Directed energy, riot control agents, broadband lights, acoustic sounds and blunt impact materials. An award for a $49 million contract to conduct studies, laboratory tests and field experiments is expected in September and tests in San Antonio are expected to last for seven years. If the weapons are developed by another nation and used on Americans, the Air Force wants to know what kind of unusual health effects its troops might encounter. But there's a flip side. The announcement notes that discovering how bioeffects on the human body could have defensive or offensive uses and lead to the development and deployment of future DE, which is Directed Energy Weapons System. So it's nothing to do with what other people are doing. It's they want to just go ahead and find a really big super weapon, basically. Therefore, still has to do the research. First, uh, for that, I'll carry out uh, proteomic, uh, genomic and metabolic studies that identify critical biochemical or molecular changes following exposure to the DE. It says that could mean looking at how concentrated blasts of radio frequency waves and high-powered microwave manipulates our protein, DNA, and metabolites. Now, they already know that, folks, but if you don't know that. They've been te- doing tests on animals and even prisoners for donkey's years. Now, donkey years are an awful long time. It says, to be clear, the Air Force doesn't want to kill you by messing with your DNA, at least not right away. These are explicitly tests for non-lethal weapons. The announcement notes that the tests may involve human subjects and animals and it will prohibit research that presents unacceptable hazards or otherwise fails to comply with the DOD procedures. Most directed energy weapons are also, in theory, supposed to leave you unharmed after you've run fleeing from them possibly throwing uh, throwing up as you go. If the Air Force wants to stop a stranger from approaching a base, a heat tray or a sound blaster are useful escalation of force options as the announcement sensitively describes it. Now, they've had these things for years. They've used them back in the 70s on protests against American bases in England. And it's a lot of women were outside and all got sick inside throwing up and so on. So they would go a lot, a lot further, obviously. They were doing other strange stuff. Because when you blast somebody with microwave, it's just like the, putting something in the microwave. All your molecules just dance around and get hyper-hot and all the rest of it. And it causes some perpetual damage. Anyway, it says that's somewhere on the scale between the audio warning and shooting the person, and these machines are not exactly new. Sound cans like the long-range acoustic device use a combination of audio frequencies that are so loud and horrible it can make you vomit. Being blasted by a pain ray like the Air Force's active denial system, which uses millimeter waves to make you feel like you just stepped into an oven, will still hurt, but the idea is that you'll survive. Turn up to full power, though, and you could be put, you could put someone in a hospital burn unit. You can set you on fire, you'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't life wonderful, folks? We, they've got so many ways to use your tax money to make sure that um, your oppressors will always be in charge. Because eventually it's to be all used on you, you understand. As for domestic use. Think about it. You're paying for it all. You know, we're the greatest people of all today because we're the most well-informed slaves that's ever existed You've never had slaves in the whole history of humanity that got all the knowledge of what's going on as we do. But so we're the most well-informed folk of what they're going to do and what they have done and what they're doing to you now, and and so on. And most folk, again, the folk are trained to go out and play and put out your mind. Don't look at the negative. Think of the happy things. Happy, happy things, and be perpetual children. 
and you pay for it all. We always pay for our own, own chains, don't we? Always do. So technically, the historians are right when they say, you know, it was, it was their own fault and they accepted it. You know. and the countries are all broke, supposedly. And they're, and they're putting this kind of stuff forward as imperatives. They're disarming their own public, for goodness sake, in America. And, and yet this is a country that's, that's gone full steam ahead to find ways of disabling their own populations at home. But, well, slaves are quite happy. And we forget that, too. There's been times in the past in, in Egypt and so on. I'm sure there were happy slaves here and there, you know. The UN General Assembly has adopted a historic treaty to control the trade in conventional arms, voting it through by a huge majority. And the member states voted by 154 votes to three with 23 abstentions to control a trade worth $70 billion, which is £46 billion annually. It went to a vote after Syria, Iran and North Korea blocked its adoption by consensus. Russia and China, some of the world's biggest exporters, were amongst those who abstained from the vote in New York. And so I'll put a few links up tonight to do with that from different uh, websites or BBC and different newspapers. But uh, it's interesting, too, that that when the Syrian ambassadors uh, that was against it said that uh, they wouldn't sign it because... Because and Syria is not selling up arms across the world uh, like the West is, you know, giving arms to all the rebels they send in to attack Syria, and that's what the Syrian ambassador said. He says there's nothing here about, but terrorism by outside forces uh, supplying weapons to to these groups, meaning these these color revolutions that are armed and so on, like it's happening against Syria. Everything's hypocrisy and lies. You understand. There's always alternative reasons they want you disarmed. Always. Remember, too, the United Nations said at one of their big, big speeches in '46 that eventually they would train all the nations, all the signatory nations, that only the United Nations police and military would have the right to use of force. Only them. That's what they're heading for. That's what they want. Never change their minds. At the moment, it's your governments that still have the deserve the right to use uh, use of force on you, if need be. But eventually, it'll be the United Nations. So I'll put the articles up from the UN tonight. Now, again, most folk are so out of what's happening, because they're, con- they're not consulted to do with any big changes in their own countries or even where their tax money goes. But we are informed, so we're, we get informed after the events. British aid is helping fund the re-election of campaign of the Bhutto family in Pakistan. Britain has given £300 million of taxpayers' money to controversial program of cash handouts in Pakistan, which is accused of bankrolling the re-election campaign of Benazir Bhutto's former party. And it says that um, an evidence to a parliamentary inquiry, a leading development uh, economists said the Benazir Income Support Program was being used to buy support from Mrs. Bhutto's widower, President Asif Ali Sardari, and his party. And it says, um, this is not stolen to the extent to which previous cash transfer was stolen, but this is the mechanism which is funded partly by the DFID to make friends and influence people. This is the re-election campaign of Mr. Zardari, which is funded by the DFID, he said. Well done. The Select Committee on International Development is due to publish a report into aid to Pakistan on Thursday. 
Britain has rapidly expanded its assistance in recent years. Pakistan is on a course to become the world's the biggest recipient of UK aid, receiving £450 million per year by 2015. Well, so much for the British, eh? What did they get out of this? They get the debt handed to them. Hmm? Slaves, eh? Was it Charles Galton Darman said? He says, there's always been slavery in one form or another down through history. He says, and we, he's talking about his own particular clique, we are now in the process of creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. It's all done. You've all been raised in it. That's why you accept things so easily. Folk have no idea the amount of psychology and behaviorists, it's, uh, neuroscientists and so on that work on everything that you read, everything you hear, everything you enjoy in fiction. It's all done. High science. And now again that your, your, your food's up on the big global market. Billiard farmers' third poor harvest in a row means British shoppers will rely on imported food and prices will rise. And says crops from potatoes and peas to cereals are being hit, leading to increased uh, reliance on imported produce. And it says that the farmers are facing the third poor harvest in the run as the coldest March in 50 years plays havoc with crop planting, already significantly down because of last year's wet weather. With the cold snap set to continue through April, farmers say crops such as potatoes, peas, tomatoes and ornamental flowers have either not been planted or are not growing or are being stunted by the lack of lights. This follows low winter planting levels of cereal crops, a fifth down on last year because of the wet weather. Shortage of spring seed is adding to the problems. Lower UK crop yields will make UK consumers more reliant on imports and the vagaries of the international markets, which could push up prices. Livestock farmers have been struggling to cope for some time with feed shortages due to poor grass and so on. But we can give millions to Pakistan. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and since the whole carbon credit nonsense was dreamed up by crooks to start with, who deal with high finance and so on, but definitely crooks, with the whole idea to fleece the planet of making you pay for breathing and all the rest of it, and meanwhile they have their own big organisations, uh, and uh, they get free carbon credits given to them by governments just to kick off the ball to get it wrong. It says carbon credit thieves are jailed. It says three men who attempted to steal nearly 8 million euros worth of carbon credits have been sentenced to more than five years following an international investigation by SOCA. The case concerned a computer hacking ring that between June and November 2011 attacked the websites of carbon credit registries and brokerages, banks and financial services companies. On 12th October 2011, an unauthorized transfer of 350,000 European Union allowances, also known as carbon credits with approximately 3.7 million euros, occurred on the Spanish carbon credit register Renad. The EUAs were transferred to the account of a UK registered broker who sold 3,340 of these to an unsuspecting third party for 89,000 euros before the Spanish authorities alerted the UK and the remaining 341,000-odd were frozen. So they're already, I mean, they were set up by crooks, for crooks, and so they'll catch the lesser crooks, of course. It can only be the big crooks who can use the system and get money off gambling with carbon credits and all the rest of it. 
So I'll put this up tonight too, for those who care about it. And also, this article too is from the, from the Sun, the British Sun newspaper. And it's the most popular, it's a map of the most popular destination for Iraqis uh, and other countries and Chinese and so on moving to Britain. And it's quite interesting when you go through the map to see where they're coming from all over the world and all the, the war zone countries that they've been displaced as homeless, they're all moving into Britain. And, and China's moving there big time too. Because this is the international system where the domestic populations have to be kind of eventually, well, merged and then gone, I guess. That's, that is the agenda, by the way. To make the world safe. To make the world safe. And it's working awfully well. It's a holy thing. You can't say anything negative about it, do you understand? Ecuador, too, is to sell off a third of its Amazon rainforest to Chinese oil companies. Now, where's the greenies on this one? You won't hear them because, you see, like any big organization, they're run by bigger people than them at the top. They tell them what to protest and what not to protest. So don't join any of these groups. You're all used. You all get used. And it says they're planning to auction off 3 million in the country's 8.1 million hectares of pristine Amazonian forests, uh, rainforest to Chinese oil companies. It says the report comes as oil pollution forced neighboring Peru to declare an environmental state of emergency in its northern Amazon rainforest. Ecuador owed China more than $7 billion, more than a tenth of its GDP as of last summer. Now this all came out too, by the way, this land for debt swap from the United Nations and the World Bank and all the rest of these guys. So uh, this is what you're seeing, land for debt swap. Can you imagine what they'll do when they try to claim their cash that America owns? Can you imagine, folks? eh? Can you? I wonder if you can. In 2009, China began loaning Ecuador billions of dollars in exchange for oil shipments, also helped fund two of the country's biggest hydroelectric infrastructure projects, and China National Petroleum Corps may soon have a 30% stake in a $10 billion oil refinery in Ecuador. So, yep, this is big global business, folks. And the rich get richer, don't they? Don't they? Hmm. Well... As I say, we're the best informed, well, most well-informed slaves on the planet. Most folk are egocentric. They've been trained to be that way. Egocentric and narcissistic don't mind, as long as they're quite happy in their own little bubble. Until it encroaches upon their bubble, then they howl and squeal like stuck pigs, as they say. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>